Welcome back to Charlotte Mason Motherhood, the podcast that helps the everyday mother learn a practical application of the Charlotte Mason method. I'm your host, Larissa, and today we are talking about why so many people are using Charlotte Mason's philosophy to educate their families. Usually when I run into other families out and about, when I'm at the park or during the week, and they find out that we homeschool, We have the same back and forth questions that take place. How old are your kids? What grade are they in? Do you use grades? Which curriculum do you use to homeschool? And rather than naming a simple program, I usually have a difficult time trying to answer because I'm forced to sum up the Charlotte Mason method in a sentence or two. It just isn't possible, so instead, I've learned to remember a few key points to share with families after they ask me that follow-up question, oh, Charlotte Mason, yeah, I've heard of it. Is that a curriculum you can buy? So I've come up with a pretty good automated response of some buzzwords that Charlotte Mason circles use, like we spend lots of time outside and we read literature instead of worksheets, and it's a more gentle approach than traditional school. But in this episode, I want to unpack why the Charlotte Mason method is our preferred way of home educating and why so many other families are so passionate about her philosophy. Charlotte Mason believed that education is an atmosphere, a discipline, and a life. And when she says education is an atmosphere, she means the surroundings in which a child grows up in, the atmosphere the feeling. Our home and our own habits affect our children immensely. And so when she says atmosphere, that is what she is referring to. And when she says a discipline, she's actually referring to character and how mothers and families can cultivate good character right in their homes for their children through their example, but also through training. And when she says education is a life, she means that education really is a way of living. And I'll get into more of that and what that means later on when we talk about how lessons furnish ideas. But before I do, we first have to define and kind of troubleshoot what is wrong with a typical education. And Charlotte Mason addresses this in her book, School Education. She says there are four means of destroying the desire for knowledge. A. Too many oral lessons which offer knowledge in a diluted form and do not leave the child free to deal with it. Then B. Lectures for which the teacher collects, arranges, and illustrates matter from various sources. These often offer knowledge in too condensed and ready prepared a form. C. Textbooks compressed and recompressed from the big book of the big man. And D. The use of emulation and ambition as incentive to learning in place of the adequate desire for and delight in knowledge. Wow, that is such a packed quote, right? And when I read it, it really struck me because as someone who was a public school teacher, I lived this day to day. I definitely felt like this was a good thing that I was doing. 
you know, over explaining things and really driving the point home over and over to the point where I sounded like a broken record because I was hoping the repetition would help my students gain an understanding, but I really had it all backwards. And this living education that Charlotte Mason offers, that we are offering in our home each day, that is the opposite of what this typical education that she's talking about is. I want to explain what a living education is. So we often hear about the term living books and a living education and living ideas, but what does that mean? So there are a few different facets of a living education. There's obviously living books, and those are books written to make the subject come alive. So a good example of that would be reading for history. I don't know if you went to public school, but I did. And in public school, I remember these enormously thick textbooks. And in them, there were just stories and timelines and dates, all written by a team of writers who were essentially paraphrasing all of the great works that I should have been reading about our country's history or our world's history when I was studying that subject. So um, a good example of a living book would be the opposite of that. Um, Maybe reading the biography of a Civil War soldier um, and it's a narrative style work written from that person's point of view and you can kind of you know, come alongside that person and see what it was like to live in that time period and really feel what they're feeling. And it really just helps the subject come alive. That's what a living book, its purpose is. And Charlotte Mason believed in using those in her education and we use them every day. So that's kind of the first facet of a living education would be the living books. The next one is narration and That is just allowing the student to tell back what they've learned after listening to a reading or doing a math lesson or engaging in a reading lesson. Rather than testing them with multiple choice questions, we actually get to learn what they know and hear their knowledge firsthand in their own words. And because of this unique way of understanding a child's knowledge and kind of understanding what they've taken from the text, they can then relate to the content and whatever they are reading, the lesson material, and later on when they go home after a lesson or when they see their father at the dinner table, they can relay their narration to their other family members and share what they're learning rather than answering the question, what did you learn today at dinner? And not really knowing what to say because it's not a multiple choice question. So narration is a really powerful tool and Mason actually used those in her exams. Um, All of our exams are actually oral exams right now. So there are zero multiple choice It is all just a question like, tell me about the Civil War and whatever my child answers to me orally and tells back to me, that is the answer to their test question and then it's over for that subject. That won't necessarily be the case as she gets older, but I will explain a little bit more about that later on. 
Mason has a really beautiful way of scaffolding narration and it kind of leads to a very natural progression of being able to write beautiful composition in high school. So um, I could talk about narration all day long. And as a former teacher, it's something that I wish I had known about so much earlier because it's just such a great, it's just like a secret key to a child's mind and I just get very passionate about narration. So um, another facet of the living education is lots of time out of doors and most of the Charlotte Mason um, mothers you meet will brag about how much time they spend outside and that is because we are very proud of how often we get out to look at and study and notice God's creation and Mason really wanted students to be out in the world. All of our science for the first several years of school is just natural history and nature lore and being outside and doing field work and nature study and it's just such a beautiful way to spend childhood and because all of those hours are spent outside Mason was able to teach her her students and I am able to teach my children how to be out of doors, how to slow down and appreciate what they see on a walk, how to notice the leaves changing, how to look at the different shapes of different leaves and how they sit upon the stem or the branch. We get to stop and listen to the call of a bird and know whether it's a chickadee or a woodpecker. And it's just those simple acts of noticing and growing together that are just priceless to me. And not only that, but it's completely developmentally appropriate for children to be outside for two to three hours a day not only noticing things around them, going on nature walks and doing outdoor geography, but also just playing and engaging and using their bodies and running and jumping and climbing on logs and all of that good stuff. So the fourth aspect of a living education is the arts and the enrichment and what we call the feast. And Aside from our typical lessons, which don't seem very typical in a Charlotte Mason education just because there's so much beauty in the literature that we are reading, but another aspect is just all of the wonderful artists and composers that we get to study. Mason had her students study three composers and three artists per year. She also had her students read Shakespeare engage in handicrafts like needlework and knitting and paper modeling. We read the Bible every single day. We study the Bible. We talk about it. My daughters are learning solfege, and so they're learning how to sing. We have musical instrument practice every single day, and they will have learned several foreign languages by the time their education, well, it's never really over, right? Because it's a life. But by the time they are 18, I guess. So Mason really did emphasize those beautiful extras that I feel like are so lost in today's society. Um, 
I, for one, definitely did not receive that sort of beauty. Somehow I was able to take home economics, even though I'm pretty sure they don't pay teachers to teach home ec anymore, um, let alone like choir and music and all of that good stuff. I know that I was very fortunate to be able to take electives like woodworking and metal shop and home economics because that is something that is just completely lost on today's society. And those skills I am sort of using as I teach my daughter embroidery this term. And so I'm kind of recalling all of the different stitches I learned in home ec. But sadly, I don't think that many um, children today that are in public school really get an opportunity to do that unless their families are working on it together separately. So that is one aspect of Charlotte Mason education that I feel like is invaluable and it makes it very unique compared to other ways of educating. So all of that to say, I use a Charlotte Mason philosophy in our home because her living education provides a literal feast for the mind. It provides my children and myself with living ideas. And Mason writes of living ideas a little bit in her book, Home Education. And she writes, Lessons must furnish ideas. In this way, give your child a single valuable idea and you have done more for his education than if you had laid upon his mind the burden of bushels of information. For the child who grows up with a few dominant ideas has his self-education provided for, his career marked out. I just feel so much comfort when I read this because here's the big scary part of homeschooling, right? Is do we have what it takes? Can we do this if we don't have a teaching credential? Can we do this if we have seven children? Can we do this if we have two twin infants at home? Can we do this while caring for a family member that's sick? And the answer is yes. You do not have to teach your child everything they need to know. All you have to simply do is provide ideas for them to spend the extra time it takes each day to connect with and read to and love on our children and the rest, it comes so easily. And I do want to encourage you because a lot of people have asked me whether or not they can homeschool if they're, they weren't a teacher prior to wanting to homeschool. And Mason says maternal love is the first agent in education, not a maternal teaching certificate, not a maternal knowing everything in the entire world. It's just maternal love. And I can't remember where I read it, but Mason also did mention that we are equipped by the creator himself, that is the Lord our God, endowed us with this innate ability to teach our children. We taught our kids to walk and to speak and most of them we taught how to eat properly at the dinner table. We've taught our children so much in their first few years of life. Why are we not qualified or capable 
or confident in our abilities to teach them at home too. So if the idea of studying famous composers and learning how to knit and learning how to teach your children in the ways of a Charlotte Mason philosophy overwhelms you, please don't feel overwhelmed. Know that there are so many moms out there like you that want to learn more about her philosophy and method and I am hoping that this podcast and the work I do over on my YouTube channel and my website will help kind of unpack all that a Charlotte Mason education has to offer. And if you don't know how that looks day to day, um, stay tuned because I'm going to share so much about all of those wonderful things, living books, habit training, um, twaddle, what the early years look like, what you can do before you begin start formal lessons with your kids when they're age six. It really starts with mom and that's what we're going to talk about next time. In order to end this episode, I just want to kind of sum up what we've talked about. So first we began with kind of identifying what the problems were with education and then we talked about what a living education means and we shared different aspects of a living education. We talked about our ability as a mother to educate our children. The beauty that the Charlotte Mason method offers is unmatched and could I buy some workbooks and call it a day? Yes, I totally could. I could check off the boxes of getting their math done each day, their reading, their writing, check, and I could keep them on grade level. Is that possible to homeschool that way? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, the question is not how much does the youth know when he has finished his education, but how much does he care? Those are Mason's words in her book, School Education, and they are often quoted because they're just so good. It really drives that point home of, I don't have to teach my child everything under the sun. I just have to teach them how to learn, how to self-educate, and how to care truly about what they are learning. And that is why I am so passionate about sharing this philosophy with other mothers. It truly can completely transform the way that we run our homes and our lives and the way we view our children. And finally, because I'm a believer and I feel that everything we do in our homes should be rooted in scripture, I want to share this verse that always comes to mind when I'm learning about or sharing about the Charlotte Mason method. It's Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. If we as Christian mothers are teaching our children to notice loveliness, appreciate nobility, practice virtue, we are not only giving them a living education, but we are teaching them to live according to divine law as well. And what more could they ask of us when they look back on their childhood? 
One of the hallmarks of a Charlotte Mason education is narration, the act of telling back. At the end of each episode, I'm going to ask that you either write down or tell a friend, your husband, your mom, whomever, about what you have learned from today's podcast. It is my hope and prayer that whatever you did learn blesses you and your family. Until next time, thank you so much for listening.